When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Hello and welcome to the Keep or Cup podcast. I'm Chad Young. Pete Ball is here with me as well. We are recording on Sunday the 24th. Uh, I'm not even going to tell you what time it is. It's very early in the morning. There are eight days left in the baseball season because uh, today is just starting and the uh, the games haven't been played yet. But we are, you know, here at Keeper Cut, well, well, ever, well we are still invested in some leagues and, and some of the leagues we're going to talk about today. I'm still fighting for championships. Pete, you're still fighting with me in one of those leagues, right? Are you, you still in the hunt in, in the podcast league? Uh, I am the last time I checked, which was earlier in the week, it, it was really a fight for second place. You had, you had like a 10 yeah. or 11 point lead on, on everybody. So, I mean, I'd yeah, still like right to come that... second so that it says keeper cut, Chad, keeper cut Pete at the top of the standings, but That'd be nice. I, it's, I, I don't know what's going on in that one. I, I go between second and fourth place like four times a day. Yeah. I've, I, you're, I'm down to an ele- a nine point lead, which is still in a five by five league should still be plenty. Um, yeah. but that league's been that league's been weird because uh, I I had at one point built up like a like a thirteen point lead and I thought I was coasting and then in like at some point in like August maybe even in September I fell to second place mm-hmm. like very briefly uh, yeah the last time I was out of first place was September first on August thirty first I fell out of first I stayed out on the first. I regained it and then fell as low as tied for first again as of maybe I'm a little behind here. I can't tell, but right around the eighth, I was either tied for first or back into second. And then I retook the lead on the ninth. And since then I've been just extending it. Um, and I think this is a case where, you know, in a five by five league, if certain categories are close, you could be at sort of a peak or a valley with small changes, right? And so I think early in September, I was sort of at like my worst case scenario at that point where like I was very small amounts behind in a bunch of categories where it was like, I can't really go any lower than this. And if anything flips back my way, I'll be fine. And that's sort of what's happened. But we're not going to talk about that league first. We're actually not going to talk about the... We're not here to talk about the standings anyways. I started to say, well, we are still competing for some titles and still fighting. We are also... Very much, very much in the heat of keeper season, which seems a little weird because the season is still going on. But we talked about keepers last week in our listener leagues that we're running on fan tracks. In auto new leagues, I think it's almost more pressing because I'm still making decisions about like who to auction based on who I'm keeping, who I'm not keeping, who's a free agent that I think might be worth holding into the offseason, regardless of whether or not I think they're a keeper. So... Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to talk about today is we're looking at, at our auto new leagues. We are in three auto new leagues together. We're going to talk about at least one of them, maybe two of them, maybe three of them. We'll see. But we're going to start with our listener league. 
And that is Auto New League 1372, the Keeper Cut Listener League. Um, Pete, you said a moment ago that you were, you know, gonna gonna hope to finish second in that podcaster league so that we could be, you know, Keeper Cut Chad first, Keeper Cut Pete second. Uh, that's <laughs> the not going to happen in the Listener League. Um, you've got a you've got a, a pretty decent grasp on last place. I think you've got a shot Sweet. to climb climb up. You could you could climb up out of last. I think. Um, I have been actually climbing the last few weeks and have pulled myself all the way up to what is that seventh place, eighth place, all the way up to eighth place. And I have very little shot to get to seven. So yeah, we're, we're down near the bottom there, which means we've both been rebuilding, thinking about keepers for a while. Um, I will also warn our listeners. Uh, we didn't really spend a lot of time prepping for this episode. <laughs> and so we, we sort of decided last minute what we were talking about. And so these keeper decisions, I think what you're going to hear from us here are uh, fairly real time. Uh, us going through our rosters and thinking about like, oh, is this the guy I want to do this with? What do I want to do here? Uh, and so that's that's what we're going to do. Um, and I am also, I've got a watch list set up for this league that I'll, that I'll talk through some guys who are free agents who I think are are worth at least keeping an eye on to see if maybe I want to auction them off at some point in the next week and add them to my roster. But let's start with our keepers. And before, oh, wait, wait, I, I almost, I almost messed this up, Pete. I was going to get into keepers. We got our numbers. Yeah. We haven't even talked about, this is episode 117. We have not even talked about jersey number 17. Um, 17, it's like, Todd Helton and Keith Hernandez. And Hernandez didn't even wear it his whole career. It's definitely the Helton or Lance Berkman uh, yeah. episode. Yeah, Berkman's a fun one. I'm looking down, Mark Grace wore it for 16 years for the Cubs. Yeah, that's a long time. Shinsu Chu, yeah. fantasy legend. One of the one of the first like power speed kind of late guys in my early days yeah. of playing. Chu, you know, I'm surprised how low Chu is on this list. Like he only had 34.6 career war per baseball reference. Uh, And that's, that is sort of shocking to me. Uh, The the guy who wears number 17, who is directly above him, despite having played a few less years, is one Shohei Otani. Uh, That's a pretty good number 17. And he's a pretty good one. Yeah, he uh, he's got thirty four point eight career F four. That number is going to go up before his career is over. I am reasonably confident. And you know, if you look at Helton as sort of the gold standard at sixty one point eight career WAR uh, among players who who wore seventeen meaningfully, there's three guys ahead of him on this list. But it Ken Griffey Jr. wore it for one season. Scott Rowland wore it for six. David Cohn wore it for three. But if you look at guys who are associated with that number, Otani's going to end up as the top all time, I would think. I would think he's going to be around long enough to pass Helton. So, yeah, maybe it's the Otani so. episode. Yeah. We'll call it the Otani episode. That's the most exciting possible name for it. I, th- I think so. I think so. All right. So now that we've determined it's the Otani episode, we can get back to the less important business of who we're keeping and who we're cutting in League 1372, the Keeper Cut Listener League. And Pete, do you want to start with your roster or you want me to start with mine? 
Sure, I don't mind starting. Um, I do. I do apologize for our listeners. It's been like an inconsistent season for me in terms of my activity. Like I'm looking, I still have Adelise Garcia on the IL. It's just been a hectic summer. I promise you're gonna get the the more active me next year. But there wasn't, to be fair, a lot to be active about. Chad, this team was a disaster right off the bat. I built my rotation around names like Tristan McKenzie and Max Scherzer and Christian Javier. Like there's not a lot of worse names you could have yeah. invested a lot of your your money McKenzie's, into. McKenzie's going to be on the hill today. I see that, yeah. So I should, I should get him in there, see if I can get out of last place. It's, it's sort of <laughs> hilarious because, like, as a Guardians fan this weekend, it's been like, it's the second to last weekend of the season, and we've got our rotation set up. So in these two games against the Orioles, you've got Bieber on Saturday, McKenzie on Sunday. They're both lined up to make another start. Like, this is how you would think you would want your rotation set at the end of the season, but instead it's just like, well, they're finally healthy. They can get a couple starts in, get some warm-ups Woo-hoo. going. Yeah, hey, it's better to see I'm them than to see them not back. see them. No, no, I, yeah. I'm glad to see them back. And it was, we had a conversation about this uh, related to Edwin Diaz recently, where there was some debate about whether or not Diaz was going to come back this year. He's not. Uh, but the, the debate was like, why would you risk injury? Why would you have them throw pitches in meaningless games in September when they're just working their way back? And, and my thing was... First of all, this is obviously like it's a team by team, player by player thing. It is up to the Guardians to determine whether this is best or not for McKenzie or Bieber. But I do think there is probably value. Like you can't replicate a major league game. Yeah, you could throw some rehab assignments. You could go to like some instructs over the winter. You could throw some some AAA games before the end of the AAA season. But you can't replicate the experience of throwing in a major league game. And so, like, I'm very happy that these guys are getting a couple starts, just because I think like. Get some of those questions of like, what's it going to feel like when I'm back out of the way? Let them go into the offseason in a more normal, like, I ended the season healthy. I threw a couple starts. I can have my perfectly normal offseason and get ready for spring. I, I think there's some value in that. So I'm glad to see them back. It'll be fun to watch Tristan pitch today. I hope he hope he throws a gem. But yeah, back not to your only keepers. From the- well, not only from the like realistic point of view, the real baseball point of view, but also for fantasy managers to see those guys in a major league game. Yeah. That's going to be huge for their value heading into 2024. Sure. Um, so, I mean, I guess we could start with the most obvious move. I don't know if there's a lot to say, but I guess if you're new to new, which it, it feels like I still am, <laughs> uh, I, especially in four by four, when I'm looking at my roster organizer, I scroll down and I am cutting every single relief pitcher from my roster who is going to be a reliever next year. I'm obviously not going to cut a $3 Michael King, but yeah. even some guys who like did really well for me this year, like Araldus Chapman was worth all four of his dollars for the most part, but that is a cut. I am not going to spend any money on my relievers. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I have to look at my roster here. I have a couple of leagues where, because I've churned through relievers, I have some $1 relievers that I may actually hold on to at three next year. Sure. But I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm with you in... Both from the regards that, like, I just I don't like to hold relievers. There's no reason to do it. But also, like, looking at your relievers right now, I mean, Garrett Whitlock has been really disappointing this year. You're certainly not keeping him at $9. Chapman has really struggled down the stretch. And even as good as he's been, I just, like, in 4 by 4 I'm with you. I don't want a $6 reliever going into the draft. I'll, I'll buy him back for 3 and if he goes for more, I just won't have him next year. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, and then Jason Foley is your, I mean, you got King, who's not a reliever anymore, so we can table him. But then Foley, who's your other reliever right now, 
like, yeah, he's $1 and he's got his rates have been really good, but like 53 strikeouts and 66.1 innings, not really what you want out of a reliever. There's nothing wrong in four by four with having a guy who limits home runs and keeps his rates in good shape and doesn't get you a ton of strikeouts. But there's, there's a gap between there's nothing wrong between having him and I have to keep him. Uh, and, and with a guy like Foley, part of that is at least for me, uh, track record, right? It's like this year, the ERA and whip are good last year. The home run per nine was good too, but the ERA and whip were not. And so like guys, you know, 27, going to be 28 in November. It's not like he's some young breakout stud who you're really excited about. It's also not like if, if he were 27 and had four straight years of sub three ERA, you know, 1.1 ish whip and the kinds of home run per nine, the, the 0.27 home run per nine he's putting up this year. Then I'd be like, yeah, I might keep him at $3 despite the lack of strikeouts because he's just so good at everything else. But like Jason Foley could very easily have a, you know, a 3.70 ERA, a 1.3 whip next year. And it only would take a couple of home runs for that home run per nine to get ugly too. So like, yeah, I'm with you on that. What about the rest of your pitching staff? You've got some, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to direct you right away to Christian Javier because he is, I've got him in another four by four league and I traded for him this off season. I think I have him at like $7 or something. So I'm cheaper than you do, but like he looked like he was like going to be an ace for a long time to come. And he's been just bad 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 this year yeah it's he's kind of a mystery too um the swing strike rate the last two seasons was up near 14 percent it was 13.8 last year when he was breaking out it's kind of inexplicably down at 11.4 and he's getting hit hard he's giving up more home runs i i don't know what his problem has been every time it looks like he's bouncing back he then has another clunker of a start most recently i can't remember who he's facing but it was another just disappointing outing um he hasn't been going as deep in outings as he was before either. And obviously that's that's related to performance. At $14, going to be 16. Nobody would touch him in arbitration. I just, I'm fine cutting him at $16. I think when it's a roster that's this bad, um, I, I'm just more likely to cut. Like I, I'd rather spend that $16 elsewhere. I'm not seeing a lot in Javier's game that he's definitely going to bounce back next season. And if he does, that's great. I He'll do it most likely on somebody else's roster. I'm not going to go 16 for him. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's it is hard to figure what's going on with him because he's been he was so good last year. He hasn't really shifted his pitch mix very much. Like if you look at last year versus this year, last year he was throwing. 61% fastballs, 27% sliders, then some curves and change. He's throwing 58% fastball, 30% sliders. He's increased his slider usage by 3%, decreased his fastball usage by 3%. That is not some, like, that's not a thing you're looking at like, oh, he's using his slider more. That must be the problem. He'll go back to it. Like, that's that's not the issue. I mean, if anything, fastball, you, would, you would want him to throw more sliders. His slider is right. disgusting. Like, yeah. that, that and, definitely and, and, would and be like, a problem. Yeah. Right. And like I said, it's not, it just hasn't moved very much in terms of usage. It's, it's basically the same. What has changed a little bit is his velocity and it isn't a big shift. He's down like less than a mile per hour. But if you go to baseball savant and look at his pitch distribution chart, um, 
they've got some fun stuff on that chart. And one of the things they have on that chart is they show the league average velocity on pitches along with the distribution of velocity for that pitcher. So if you look at 2022 for Christian Javier, he's got a nice little bell curve with his fastball velocity and the league average is basically right smack in the middle of that bell curve. So he was effectively throwing a league average velocity fastball along with that nasty slider and you know, half his pitches were half his fastballs were above league average velocity, half were a little below. This year, that slight shift down has moved him to a point where his fastball is now almost always below league average velocity. He's occasionally sneaking up above it, but it's almost always below. And his slider has moved from sort of touching league average velocity at at its absolute peak to not getting up to league average velocity ever. And that that could be enough to explain some of these issues. Uh, and if you start to look at at his like ex-woba by pitch, it's gotten a little bit worse on his his curve, but he doesn't throw his curve that often. It's gotten a little worse, a little better on his changeup, but he doesn't throw his changeup that often. It's like maybe those two sort of balance out a bit. His slider has gone from a 175 ex-woba last year to 276 this year. His fastball has gone from a 273 XOBA to a 352. Uh, and that to me looks like looks like the issue. His issue seems to be that he is because like he's getting more whiffs on the slider than he did last year. He's at or sorry, he's not getting as many whiffs on the slider as he did last year. But the issue really seems to be that he is just getting punished on his fastball this year. And and that may be related to the fewer whiffs on the slider, because if guys are seeing the fastball better, then it's easier to lay off that nasty slider. And that that difference may be enough that that loss of a, a, a mile per hour velocity is allowing guys to see the fastball, recognize the slider, and take the pitches they can't hit and hammer the pitches they can. I, I don't know, right? I mean, I'm just sort of speculating on that at this point but that's that's really the only thing that sort of jumps out at me as as an issue although now as i'm looking further down at savant page he's also getting a lot less break on his slider and so maybe that's an issue. well when i hear velocity stuff especially for a guy who passed his previous innings high last season by over 60 yeah. innings if you include the playoffs which obviously you should those are all stressful high stress innings that's concerning to me um javier's been someone who's been very fortunate throughout his career for the most part i don't believe he's ever had tommy john surgery i i don't remember him sustaining any kind of prolonged injury and he's definitely been like brought along the right way he spent time in the bullpen he's gotten starts here and there and then he slowly became a full-time starter but i don't know i hear that and and that raises concern like nobody likes to listen to anybody pretending to be a doctor on a fantasy baseball podcast. I understand that. I'm not saying he's hurt, but this is something I'm going to take into consideration next year. He took on a lot more innings. His velocity dipped and his performance as a result was poor. You cannot ignore that. And if there's nothing to explain it, maybe there is something wrong. Yeah. And I think this is a guy who, you know, for, for keeper decisions, there's not a lot. Well, I guess for keeper decisions, not a lot to look for, look for in the off season, other than maybe a report. Right. Maybe you do get a report that he's been dealing with some elbow discomfort and there's nothing structurally wrong, but he's been able to pitch through it and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's an issue. 
more likely, I don't think we're going to get anything until he starts throwing in spring training. And that doesn't help you with your keeper decisions. But as you get into draft and auction season, if his velocity, it isn't down just a little less than a mile per hour. It's down a little over a mile per hour from 93.8 last year to 92.7 this year. If that's back up over 93, he was 93.5 the year before that. If he's back up over 93, I'll feel a little better. Um, I do think there's a little concern that, you know, this is the first year he's been a full-time starter. He's had some relief appearances in there every other season. So I, I don't know if that's factoring into the velocity and stuff, but that's the thing I'm going to be watching in the spring is just, is he, is he back up to 93 close to 94 or is he still down in the 92s? Let's get, let's look at the rest of your pitching staff. Are there any other, any other interesting decisions? I mean, some of these are, are sort of obvious. You're, you're, you're not going to cut a $1 Tanner Bybee. You're not going to cut an $11 Tyler Glass now. Uh, Gonsolin's probably gone. Hauk probably gone. A $3 Cutter Crawford, $1 right now, $3 next year is, is maybe sort of interesting. Uh, I mean, I, I hate to say something like this because it's so anecdotal, but we'll see how he does today, right? Like the yeah. The bigger the sample I can get on Cutter Crawford, the better. Um, it's a little bit older than you might think. Cutter Crawford is, I want to make sure what I'm saying here is correct, but he's not, uh, yeah, he's 27. He'll be 27, 28 yeah. to start next year. Uh, so it's not as young as folks might think. So I might need to see a little bit more because I think I could probably just get him back for a buck or two in the auction and be perfectly fine if I don't end up doing that. Um, otherwise, I think I think for the most part, these are slam dunks like Glass now yeah. at 11, Boz at five, Keller at five, Bobby at one. Those are all keeps. Michael King at three dollars is definitely a keep at this point. Yeah. The other two that I think I'm going to actually hold on to is Graham Ashcraft for one dollar. Um, Ashcraft is pretty good. He wasn't this year, but he should be good at keeping the ball on the ground. Um, he does play in great American ballpark, which hurts, but, uh, obviously home runs per nine is a, is a part of this. And, uh, Luis Severino at three, I, I don't want to say he's a cut yet. I want to see where he ends up. I think the Yankees might be done with him. He'll only be $5 and he's a guy who's posted multiple 200 strikeout seasons before. Um, and, and obviously is a former fantasy ace. So I'm not exactly ready to write Severino off. He looks, he looked like he was maybe turning a corner before he sustained the injury. And, and last, Chad, Tristan McKenzie. Um, I, I think at this point, I have maybe more interest in keeping McKenzie at $14 than Javier. I, I don't think I'm going to, but Javier's been bad. McKenzie's just been hurt. So at least yeah. McKenzie has a little bit of an excuse. Are you, you you called Keller at $5 a slam dunk, and he has been uh, quite bad since June. Although I looked, he had a better August. I guess he's been sort of up and down, but the, it's the, very the, much been up and down. He he's been yeah. like it's it's not like a consistently just like meh fantasy starter. It's either been like oh man this guy's incredible or oh god why was he in my lineups this week? There there's right. not really been a lot of middle ground with Keller. So but you think at seven dollars he's he's an easy keep for you? I I think I like I don't with this roster I don't expect to win a championship next year. <laughs> like it sounds okay. lame to say because I should have a lot of money to spend. But I'd rather see Keller for another year at seven dollars than just cut him because I think he he's also like the last couple of years been a spring training darling and a preseason hype guy. Like I, I kind of expect he would go for more than seven dollars after performing as uh, as he did this year. Yeah, so let's turn to your offense, and we're gonna have some catcher conversations in this league because I've also got some some catcher decisions to make. But you've got 
I think three catchers that that you have relatively cheap. Uh, you've got a one dollar Tyler Soderstrom, whose whose debut yeah. has not been what we would have hoped. You have a one dollar Yaner Diaz, who uh, if it's it's you almost just want to imagine what his season could have been if the Astros would just put him in the lineup and leave him there instead of bouncing him in and out all the time. They uh, love you have Machete. MJ Melendez, MJ Melendez, who has a <laughs> you have a three dollars, and his overall line is not very good, but it is heavily weighed down by a brutal start. He's been yeah. I think pretty good for a while now. So, are, are you where where are you with those three? So let me ask you, Chad, with seven games started. At uh, catcher, does Melendez have catcher eligibility next year? You need you need five starts or ten appearances in auto new. Oh, he's got um, both. So that that'll keep him good to go for next year. Uh, I I do think the emergence of uh, what's name Felix Fermin as their their backup mm-hmm. for for Sal Perez might be enough to cost. Melendez a shot at being a long-term catcher. I don't think he's made an appearance at catcher since trying to see when was his last appearance at the catcher spot. Uh, he hasn't made one since April. So he, he was a catcher on April 30th. That was his three, four, five, six, seventh, eighth, something like that start of the season. Um, and that's it. He hasn't come in as a replacement of catcher. He has not played a second of catcher since then. So I think we have to expect that this is the end of the line. He'll have it next year, but not after that. But going back to like July 4th, he's been like a 110 or 115 WRC plus. Yeah. Um, and like he's been good enough since then. He's a 112 WRC plus since July 1st or July 4th. I'd, I could pick July 1st instead. He would be a 111 WRC plus since July 1st. Point of that is he's been good enough to be an outfielder in fantasy. So I think, I I think he becomes an easy keep for next year because he is, he's your starting catcher. If you want him to be, he can play every day because he's going to be an everyday outfielder for the Royals. And yeah, he probably won't earn catcher back, but at $5 next year, $7 in 2025, depending on how next season goes, he may be an easy keeper as an outfielder for 2025. So I think your your future, if I'm looking at your roster right now, I think Soderstrom I'm probably moving on from just because what's he done. But the other, but if you can keep Diaz and Melendez as your catchers, there's a real good chance that going into 2025, Diaz has established himself as your, your starting catcher and Melendez moves into your outfield. And like, that's a good place to be. Yeah, that's definitely the plan. I mean, there's no chance I don't keep Yander Diaz. Like yeah. even under the hood, it looks good, which is just really weird. He only has a 3% walk rate, which in this format does hurt, right? Obviously that does, but he is so good at everything else. And when you consider just the position, you can, you can easily ignore the 3% walk rate because you're, you're getting something from your catcher, which is just awesome, let alone for, for $3 next year. So I wouldn't be surprised if Yainer even gets a dollar or two in arbitration just because there's, well, I guess there's other targets on my team, but um, $3, $4, he's definitely a, a keeper. And I think he does get targeted a little bit. So let's poke around the rest of your infield. Uh, so at, at your, your corner spots, you've got Jamer Candelario. You've got, uh, what was I say? You got, you have Kim slotted in as a third baseman right now. Cause you have a bunch of guys who are multi-position eligible. 
So maybe we aren't going to break this down, but I was going to do corner and, and middle, but you got Jamer Candelario who's first and third. And I think we'll keep both of those. You have jazz Chisholm. He is a second baseman for now, but he will lose second base going into next season. You've got Sedona Rafaela, who has, I think, reestablished himself as both shortstop and outfield for the future and has looked pretty good for your Red Sox. Tommy Edmond will be uh, second base shortstop and outfield again next year. Hassan Kim will be second, third, and short again next year. Brian Hayes, you got at third base. And then you got you got Brian Rocchio, uh, Marcelo Mayer, a couple prospects, Jackson Merrill. Uh, you've got a $13 O'Neill Cruz, who we talked about quite a bit last week when we were talking about your other keeper leagues. You have O'Neill Cruz everywhere, it seems. Uh, those are your your middle infielders the, or your infielders. <laughs> the one guy we haven't mentioned who actually was the guy having a great year was, was Wander Franco. We've talked about him before on the show. Uh, you might as well wait and see if there's some crazy story that turns out he's completely exonerated and none of this stuff happened, but uh, he's probably a, a cut. So let, let's leave him aside. Talk about the rest. Um, anyone in there, They uh, maybe just run through them real quick and off the top of your head, you know, you're keeping or cutting them. Yeah, sure. Uh, Jazz at 17 is a slam dunk. In my opinion, you know I'm a big jazz guy. Um, yeah. Even if he, even if he's just outfield, I'm, I'm keeping him. Ha Young Kim has, I mean, he had he had so much hype when he first came to the Padres, yeah. and then it was like, oh, he had like a bad season or two, so forget about him. He's I, I don't know if he still is, but he was like leading baseball in B War, which maybe isn't the greatest to go by, but um, it definitely doesn't matter for fantasy. But no, he's a keeper, uh, especially at six bucks. O'Neill Cruz definitely gonna, you know, let him anchor my teams to the bottom of the Atlantic again. Uh, Brian Hayes is a no brainer. I think it's $7 with what he's shown. Sedan. I, I, I don't think so. Uh, he's a glove first prospect and something that was a concern about him from scouts as he came up was that his plate discipline was just not going to translate well to the major leagues. And it has 30% strikeout rate. He's walking less than 5% of the time. And I'm not trying to like harshly judge him based on this no. small sample, but I have to it's make a decision. Though. Yeah. Um, and and I just I don't think he's worth keeping. I think I could if I really wanted him, I could get him back and uh, probably for less than what he would cost me. So the prospects, I'm all gonna I'm gonna keep the three of them. Uh, I'm not gonna keep Brian Rocchio, but I am gonna keep Jackson Merrill, Marcella Meyer, and Roman Anthony. Even though he's not an infielder, I'll throw him in there as well. Just get the prospects out of the way because this team is a long way away from competing. I think, and I want to roll the dice on those three players. That makes sense. I think the, the I might I might. If I'm you, I'm shopping Rafaela rather than cutting him because sure. he's $3. He'll be $5 next year. He's going to end the season with like a close to, if not over 800 OPS in an sure. on-base plus slugging league uh, and stellar minor league numbers. And so I, I it sounds like you and maybe maybe it's going to be Red Sox fans in general, given his the, you know what you've heard of him as a prospect coming up like. I think you're sort of the low man on him. So I think you're going to, I think you'll actually do pretty well trading him this off season. If you, if you don't want to keep him um, other than the fact that we just announced to everyone in the league <laughs> that that's what you're doing. But I mean, look, he, he is going to get play time. The Red Sox had like historically bad defense worse in the league. He is a dynamite athletic fielder. And so he's going to have time to figure it out at the plate. I just $5 is a little too rich for my blood. Got it. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll turn our attention to your outfield. 
Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, welcome back. We are going through Pete's Keepers in League 1372. It's a Keeper Cut Listener League. I do want to take a quick moment, quick little break here to tell you there are going to be a couple of teams available in this league. So if you're listening and you're interested in playing in this league with us, go check out League 1372 and Auto New. The two teams at the top of the standings right now, House of Sand and Rough Riders, are likely to be available this offseason. You could take them over as soon as you know this week, next week. Um they are they are both teams that have spent some money to compete this year. And so the there, there's going to be some some interesting choices to make this offseason to get back under the, the cap. But you don't end up at the top of the standings without having some pretty fun pieces. And so uh, go check out those rosters. There's some really interesting, some interesting names there. And, and you'll we're going to find a couple managers for those teams because they're good teams. Who doesn't want to take over a team that was contending already, right? So. But back to Pete's team and his outfield situation. We've already talked about like, you know, Chisholm is going to have outfield eligibility. Raphael is going to have outfield eligibility. Edmund. Uh, we left out when we talked about the catchers, Dalton Varsho. That is because Dalton Varsho will definitely not be a catcher next year. I don't think he played a single inning at catcher this year. Uh, the Jays are, are clearly leaning on his center field glove, which makes sense. But you've got a $15 Varsho, $21 Christian Yelich, $2 Sal Freelich. $1 Josh Lowe, $3 Willier Abreu. Uh, you got Nick Prado for a buck. You got Oscar Colas for two. Joey Weimar for one. Brian De La Cruz for one. You already talked about Roman Anthony. And then you got Jaron Duran for two. This is a this is a messy group. There's some interesting names there. I'm not sure there's a ton I'm excited about keeping. Oh, I... I... My, I actually liked my outfield more than than most of my team. Oh, really? Team. Well, I, I think Yelich is at twenty one is just going to be a keep. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's definite. Like he's going to be trade bait for me next season. Um, Adelis Garcia, same thing. I mean, thirty five Garcia because he's on the. Wait, where yeah, do you have Garcia? Oh, he here he is. The he's at the top of your. He's on, yeah. I see him on your bench now. Yeah, All right, know, for so Adelis Garcia, he might be one of my best miss. players. Yeah. Yeah. No, and actually. The the outlook that I have on your outfield changes when I'm like, oh yeah, you also have that guy who I missed reading through it. So that does, yeah, Yelich and, and Garcia are, are obvious keeps. Obviously, Josh Lowe and a Buck is is a great piece. It's after that that I start to be like, uh, okay, I uh, I really like um, 
uh, Willie or Abreu, actually. Okay. So, I, like, I like Duran, but um, Abreu has done nothing wrong since getting called up. Um, yeah. He is just mashed. Everything under the hood looks good. The expected batting average has been 288. It backs up what he's done to this point. He is posting a 10% barrel rate, which for a prospect, like, yes, inject that into my veins. The walk rate is in the double digits. He's hitting a ton of line drives. The line drive rate is up around 30%. Average EV looks good. It backs up, obviously, what that barrel rate is. Like, everything that you would want Willier Abreu to do, he has done. Um, so, and the Red Sox definitely need corner infield impact bats. I'm sorry, corner yeah. outfield impact bats. They have a bunch of outfielders, and they basically all do the same thing. So, um, Abreu, I'm actually pretty excited about. I, I realize that means that I'm in on Willier Abreu at $5, but not Sadan Rafaela, and that might be a little weird. But again, one, I think, is more of a hitter and the other one is more of a glove first prospect. So he gets me a little excited. Um, Duran, before his injury, like I, he, he started to slump a little bit. But for the most part, this was a monster. He needed this <laughs> like yeah, this yeah. was this was kind of make or break with his uh, Red Sox tenure here. And he looked awesome. And Sal Freelich, you know, uh, it, it was a little bit up and down, but I still like the tools especially in this format with on base. He's not a great player. He's not a player I'm going to build around, but I think he's someone I can hold on to to see what they can do at $4. Um, Brian De La Cruz, we'll see. He could, he could be a cut. And then I got Roman Anthony coming off the pipeline. Most of them, though, are cuts. Tommy Edmonds going to be a cut. Oscar Colas was freaking horrible this year. He's a cut. Yeah. Not really interested in Joey Weimer. Um, Nick Prado, I'm probably going to cut as well. And definitely, like you said, Dalton Varsho. So. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's just your outfield. I mean, your outfield outlook for next year is oh, and jazz. jazz is an outfielder, and jazz. That's right, but it's it is oddly dependent, I think, on what the Red Sox end up doing, because right now the Red Sox. I mean, I, I guess Yoshida is going to be a DH. They still got Verdugo, but if at some point next year their starting outfield is Abreu, Duran, and Anthony, and those guys are playing more often than not your outfield all of a sudden could be real deep. But if those guys are, you know, if you have those three plus Yoshida playing some plus uh, Verdugo plus Rafaela getting time out there, like you end up in a, a situation where all of those guys are in a timeshare. It'll be sort of interesting to see just sort of what Boston does with that outfield next year and, and this off season, because if they go out and sign anybody, which they, I assume will who can either DH or be at first base or something like that, right? They they can't. They, first base and third base are where they're they're strongest right now. But if they go out in the off season and sign somebody to help out there or to DH at all, and it pushes Yoshida back to the outfield full time, like they they could just end up with a very crowded outfield situation, and it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. I think Verdugo is is on his way out. I know I've said that before. Yeah. Apparently, they were they were heavily listening on him. Even with the Yankees, there was a report that they were thinking about trading Alex Verdugo for Clark Schmidt. So um, at least that part of this cluster should be dislodged. But you're right. There is a little bit of a brewing issue there with like not great talent. <laughs> well, it's it's all it's all really interesting talent. So it'll be it'll sure. be curious to see what happens. Right. But it, but you're right. It's not a this isn't a case where you're like they have two established outfield all-stars and like three right. more estab- like possible all-stars coming up and like how do you make room for all these guys it's it's more sometimes you have teams that you're like how do you make room for all this talent and sometimes you have teams that you're like who from this talent's actually going to emerge 
And I think that's the question the Red Sox are answering right now is like, we probably have a really good outfield here. We just don't know who it is or what it's going to look like. So let's turn our attention to my team, which is the St. Anne Steamers. Uh, like Pete, I, my my relievers, I've got you know a $2 Bruzdar Gratterall. As good as he's been, the low strikeouts are a little concerning for me. I'll, I'll, I'll I may think about him. Uh, he, you know, I, I talked about when you, with your Jason Foley, this question of like, boy, if the guy was more, if Foley were more established and you felt like he is for sure going to give me these kinds of rates every year, Gratterall is getting closer to that for me, less because he's more established and more because of the, the prospect pedigree that existed with him. And so I'm, I'm intrigued by him, but he's probably still a cut. Uh, Garrett Clevenger is gone. Um, my other relievers have been bouncing back and forth from the, the rotation and the pen, but like, I'm probably not keeping Jordan Hicks even at a dollar. Although if he were set up as a full-time reliever, maybe, maybe I don't want him as a starter because he wasn't very good. Um, and then I've had like, you know, we'll get into some of the other guys when I talk about my starting pitching. Uh, but I, I think those guys are all generally pretty easy cuts. Again, Gratterall, the one guy I might think about, but the strikeouts in Gratterall have been so lacking. So he's probably gone. Yeah, he's just not a not a strikeout pitcher. Um, and at four dollars, I think he's definitely a cut. Like I, I think you make an interesting point with Jordan Hicks. You look at the home runs per nine this year, like 0.57. It's pretty yeah. awesome. And and he's gonna be dependent on, but so he would I, I would understand, but I think he's the type of guy who you know what? I'll throw him up for auction late. If I can get him for a dollar, great. If someone else gets him, I'll find another reliever that strikes everybody out and, you know, be fine. Yeah. So turning our attention to my starting pitchers, um, I've got a group here that I'm sort of excited about, but I'm not really sure what it all looks like. Uh, Logan Webb at $24 is is an ace who I'm going to continue to use as an ace. I'm very happy with him. Logan Gilbert at $15 isn't quite as good as Webb, but uh, he's not that far off. He's closer than you might think. He's the strikeouts are better. Uh, he's got actually has three fewer strikeouts, but has also thrown 23 fewer innings. The home runs per nine aren't as good. The ERA is not quite as good. The whip is very similar. So Gilbert, $15, pretty easy. Taj Bradley, $3, has not been what I hoped he would be so far this year. I am not cutting a $3 Taj Bradley. The talent is too good. He's shown flashes of it. He's sticking around. Uh, Josiah Gray at $3 is going to be, he'll be $5 next year, is going to be a really tough choice for me. And actually, let's let's go through a couple. Let me come back to Gray in a moment. Uh, $2 will be $4 next year. I have Kyle Bradish. He is an obvious keep. He has been just stellar this year. Uh, Braxton Garrett, $2, will be $4 next year, has been, you know, 3% less stellar than Bradish. He is also sticking around. Um, and then you get in, then I've got some prospects who I think are, are, are pretty easy keeps. Uh, Jason, Jacob Mizorowski, I think is how you pronounce it, for for Milwaukee at a buck. Cade Horton for the Cubs at, at $2 is like, there is no question that I am keeping Cade Horton for $2. Maybe my favorite pitching prospect in baseball right now. Um, certainly how high close. did you, uh, how high did you go on him? I was the one that nominated him recently. So in the bidding. Yeah. So I, with the caveat that I have $45 in free cap space in this league. And so my bids are just like, I'm just bidding whatever I want on guys <laughs> right now. Right. I bid $8 on Horton. Okay. I never would have yeah. got him then. Had somebody bid seven and I had to pay him eight, 
he might not have been a keeper for me. As much as I like him, I just an eight dollar pitching prospect is a lot. Yeah, way. However, much. yeah, in this particular circumstance, I would rather have him for eight dollars than have somebody else have him for like five. Sure. And so I was like, yeah, I'll do it. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, that's where that's where I am with him. Um, so the rest of my pitching to try to move through the the, the interesting choices here. Josiah Gray has been like hot and cold. I like. I have him in League 13, which is our, our head-to-head league that you and I are both in, and I have he has been glued to my bench through the playoffs. I do not trust him. But he's been pitching decently well. He's going to end the season. like He is one good start away from ending the season with a sub-4 ERA. Uh, the whip is pretty ugly. The home run per nine is only okay. The strikeouts are only okay. But like this is a super talented pitcher who's sort of putting it together and is still just 25 years old. I think I'm probably going to keep him at $5 because I think there could be a lot of hype on him in the off season. The talent is legit. And so I think I want to keep him and see what he can do. He made absolutely monstrous strides this year because you brought him up. I was the one that had him last year and cut him and I'm I'm still fine with that decision, but his home runs per nine, his first two years in the league, well, it with just with the Nationals in 2021 after the trade was 2.15. Last year it was 2.30, and I was like, "There's no way I'm keeping this guy." So to have it at 1.24 where it's at right now, that may not yeah. jump off the page. That's huge for him. That's a monstrous right. stride that he took this year. Yeah, and, th- and that's the thing with him is like, if if he repeats this year, next year, as a five dollar guy. I'll start him occasionally. He'll get good matchups. Like I'll I'll use him and he will be useful for me at that price. And I will be okay with that. But the real reason to keep him is another off season of strides like that. And he could establish himself as a guy who's in my rotation for years to come. And so that's what I'm really sure. hoping for from him. That that is sort of a similar spot to where I am with Brian Wu. I have a three dollar Brian Wu. I, I do think there's some it's unclear to me what his role is going to be with the Rangers or with the Rangers with the Mariners next year, just because they have a lot of arms. And so I'm, I'm curious to see how they're going to use him. But assuming he's in the rotation, like I think I want a $5 Brian Wu. He only threw 80 pitches this year in the majors. He threw another 44 in the minors. So like innings might be a little bit of an issue next year. That is like that 124.2 innings. Uh, last year he threw let's see, 57 innings. So it's a huge jump for him uh, year over year. So, you know, he's not going to be a 200 inning guy next year. Maybe if I'm lucky, he gets to 150. I think he's a guy who could be in and out of the rotation depending on who's healthy and what's going on in Seattle. But I think at at, at $5 for a guy who turns 24, uh, in, you know, just before spring training, basically, with a sub four ERA, a sub 1.2 whip, uh, a home run per nine of almost exactly one more strikeouts than innings pitch. Like what's not to like there. Right. He's, he is a harder sell. He hasn't thrown a because he isn't throwing a ton of innings. He's a harder sell in like quality starts or wins leagues, but I don't care about either of those things here. So he, he's a keep for me. Uh, Ken Waldachuk was so bad to start the year. We don't need to talk about him a ton because we talked about him last week, but he's been way better lately. Um, he had another good start just a couple days ago on Friday, 
was against Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was against Detroit and it was in Oakland. I get that that's about as easy as it gets. But still, six innings, seven strikeouts, no walks, two runs on four hits. Like, those are the kinds of starts he's... You know, we talked about like, oh, are the K's going to show up when we talked about him last week? They at least for one start here did. I think I have seen enough for him to keep him at $4. Um, I'm not as excited about him as I am about like Gray and the strides he's made. But Waldachuk, his second half has been much better. And I think there's, I'll probably hold on to him there. Uh, Javier Assad at $4. I, oh, I have no killed idea me yesterday. Javier Assad. He killed me yesterday. I had him. Like a, a, a very tight matchup. He's supposed yeah. to be starting today. He surprisingly came in as a reliever and dominated. I know he was so good. That killed yeah. me. That killed me. It happened to me so, in a number of leagues too. I didn't have him so in him. my lineups. <laughs> cut him. I mean, but the thing, his his last, just like his last two outings, right now they are their home starts against Colorado and Pittsburgh. I'm cutting it off there because the start before that was at Colorado, and I just don't care what he did at Colorado. Uh, but against Colorado and Pittsburgh at home, nine innings, 14 strikeouts, one walk and a hit by pitch, one run on seven hits. That one run came on a solo home run. Um, now, the start before that, again, you know, we skipped the one at Colorado. The start before that against Arizona, five and a third innings, three runs on seven hits and one walk is great. He didn't get a single strikeout in that start against Arizona. Uh, then the start before that, he faced Cincinnati. He struck out seven, walked one. Gave up no runs on seven hits in eight innings. It's like the Arizona start is weird. The Colorado start is whatever. Um, but he's he's been he's been good. He's been good since moving the rotation. So I, I, it's like he's been fine. I, I don't know. He doesn't strike anybody out. He didn't throw the minors. Six dollars is just too pricey for my blood. You think so? I, yeah, man. six. Like, do you do you, do you really think he's going to go for more than that at auction? I don't, I don't. know. <laughs> I don't know because like, I mean, since he moved to the rotation, uh, yes, he just made a relief appearance, but since he moved to the rotation, his last nine appearances, including that relief appearance. Yeah. The strikeouts are not great. 7.41 per nine. He's got a 2.63 ERA over that stretch. The FIP and XIFIP are 4.27. So they're they're not as good clearly, but I I don't know. He keeps the ball on the ground. I, I think I kind of think people are going to be high on him going into next year. So I have a tough choice to make on him. I, I will agree with that. So I, um, I, I'd throw out something to consider that Josiah Gray, Logan Gilbert, and Logan Webb are already three guys who are not really strikeout pitchers. And add Assad in there for $6 too. I just, I don't know. I'd rather get some K upside and woo if we yeah. want to tack on another one. But when Taj Bradley strikes out 400 hitters in 200 <laughs> innings next year, it'll be fine. I won't need a strikeout from anyone else. With 300 home runs given up. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so then my other my other pitchers that I've got, well, we'll move these kind of quickly. AJ smith Shaver, I like. I get it. The minor league numbers have been great. I kind of like him, but I, I, I don't think I'm going to keep him at five bucks. I just don't think he's that good a prospect. And that's another team where like they have so much pitching in Atlanta that I just I have no faith that he's going to be regular in the rotation. So I'm probably going to move on from him. Uh, I already said Mizrowski and Horton I'm keeping. And the other two guys are both guys I just I only have these guys on my roster because they're on the 60 day IL. Tyler Molly I will not be keeping. Uh, Trevor Rogers I might think about. I, I'm waiting yeah. for reports on is he healthy. 
what are their plans for him, stuff like that. But like, you know, he only threw 18 innings this year, but after what how bad last year was, 18 innings with 19 strikeouts, one home run per nine, an ERA of exactly four, 1.22 whip. Like that's that's progress and it's it's some signs of like at three bucks, he'll be five next year. Um, it's a little bit like Josiah Gray, where it's like, if I get a decent number of innings out of him repeating what he's been doing, I'll be fine with it. But there's a chance that he could be a lot more. And so I'm probably going to hold on to Rogers, but I'm Rogers is definitely exciting. interesting to me at five dollars. Uh, I, I think I would, especially when you consider the strikeout upside that he has and the fact that you might be lagging a little bit behind in strikeouts going into the auction. I think he's a risk I'd rather take than a six dollar Assad. Especially when you consider like there's going to be opportunity in Miami. I am a little bit worried about the Sandy Alcantara situation. I don't know if you saw that shut it shut down yeah. again with forearm tightness. And this is a player yeah. who routinely throws 100 miles an hour for 220 innings. Like, right. I don't know. One could say they maybe saw this coming. So there might be opportunity for Rogers to get another crack at that rotation and actually stick. Um, and they were dangling Edward Cabrera in trades, both at the deadline and before the season as well. So I, I think there will be opportunity, and I really like the talent. I agree. I totally agree. So I, I think he's probably going to stick around, but we will we will see. So let's take one more quick break, and then we'll look at my offense when we get back. All right, welcome back. We're looking through League 1372. We mentioned we might look at some other leagues. We're not going to do that. We're going pretty deep in this one, so we'll, we'll stick to this league. But we've gone through Pete's team. We've gone through my pitching in League 1372. My team is the St. Ann Steamers. Got to look at my offense. And Pete, when we talked about your catchers, I said we we're going to have to have some catcher conversations here because I've also got a catcher situation brewing. Here are the guys on my roster who are and will be catcher eligible into the future. I have a $14 Wilson Contreras who started the season quite poorly and has again established himself as as good an offensive catcher as there is in the game. I have a $2 Ethan Salas who's only in double A, but is like, uh, I think he's like 12 years old or something. <laughs> Salas is like the youngest player. Young, like he just turned 13. Old. He just turned 13. Happy, happy birthday. Uh, Ethan, if you, if you like me are Jewish, congratulations on your bar mitzvah. Um, <laughs> Probably aren't, but you know, never know. But uh, uh, yeah, Salas, I mean, he's he's actually, what is he, 17, I think? But regardless, think so. as a as a catcher to be in double A at 17 and like playing well, like his offense is, is a little weak, but by all accounts, his defense has been very good. I, yeah, I'm I'm super in on his future. We'll have to talk about how I feel about prospects in general, but I've got him. And then I've got a $3 Logan Ohapi and a $1 Bo Naylor. Uh, Naylor and Ohapi both have really good slugging for catchers. Naylor also has a good on base. I, I'm going to be straight up. I've, I've been saying this for a long time. I think Bo Naylor is going to be a star. I think on this show at some point last year, I made a comment about Bo Naylor as like among this class of catchers coming up, if you told me there was a an heir to JT Real Muto, it was him. He's only stolen five bases this year, um, and but he hasn't been caught. He has in sixty three games in two hundred seventeen plate appearances. Naylor has nine home runs, five stolen bases, and good rates, sort of a. Uh, across the board, except for averages, his 237 average is not very good. 
However, he also got off to a slow start. Um, I, I'm going into all this depth on him because I just, I really like Bo Naylor. And if you, you sort of skip ahead to like July ish. So let's, let's do the same July 1st cutoff. Although it'd be, it'd be better if I could go a couple days later. Cause he started off July ice cold. Um, but I said, actually, let's do this. So we're going to go to June 28th. And the reason we're going to go to June 28th is I mentioned he has nine home runs in the year. He, since June 28th, when he hit his first home run in the year, in 191 plate appearances, has all nine of his home runs, five of his stolen bases. He has a uh, 253 average, 361 on base, 494 slugging. He has a 281 BAPIP in that stretch. It ain't the BAPIP that's driving his season. He's walking 14.1% of the time, striking out 20.9% of the time. Bo Naylor, he's a 136 WRC plus since June 28th. He looks like an elite bat playing catcher. Uh, and so we'll start with this. I'm going to keep Bo Naylor for $3 next year. Uh, I, I have no issues with that. And I think the challenge for me right now is I really believe in Logan O'Hoppy's bat. He'll be $5 for me next year, but the OBP has been ugly. The power's been there, but the OBP has been bad. He has a 269 OBP. Some of that is a 219 BAPIP. Uh, some of it is only walking 5.3% of the time, but really out of a catcher with power, 5.3% walk and 25.1% strikeouts. If you assume the BAPIP will correct at some level, I think he's going to be a pretty useful catcher, which gets me to thinking that for eight bucks, I can keep Ohapi and Naylor and have my catcher tandem. And then you get into an interesting debate of like, I, I think I therefore am going to trade Wilson Contreras because he'll be $16 next year. He is easily worth $16. He should be an easy keep in my opinion, but I don't need to keep all three of those guys. I just don't need three catchers. And then I get into a debate of, do I also shop Salas this off season because I don't need three long-term catchers, right? Naylor is 23. Ohapi is 23. Salas might end up being the best of them, but I don't really have a great desire to wait on him just to two years from now be like, maybe maybe late next year. Maybe that's a more accurate timeline. Maybe it's late next year. But late next year, he gets called up and I'm like, yeah, but I've already got Ohapi and Naylor. <laughs> so like, I, I think I'm probably going to shop Contreras and Salas this offseason. I think that's my plan. Yeah, with so pictures. I was going to pretty much suggest the same plan. I, I really like Naylor and Ohapi, and I think at the, obviously at the cost you have them at, that's that's my plan. And that immediately makes Contreras expendable. I've had a hard time, even with like decently valued catchers, trading them. Um, but if yeah. you can find a, a, a taker, I think that'd be a great move. Either way, even if you if you don't find a taker, I'm not keeping him at 16, especially with Ohapi and Naylor. I think he'd just be a cut. Ethan Salas, even if I don't find a taker this offseason, he has got drawn so much hype. Yeah. I'd have a hard time cutting him. I, I would make it I'm my priority to trade him. Like, I, yeah. it would 100% be my priority to trade him. But even if I don't find someone this offseason, I'm, I'm going to trade him during the season next year. There's no way I, I'm, I'm totally, yeah, I'm totally with you on both those guys. Like, Contreras, if I if if my plan ends up being cut Contreras, let someone pay sixteen to eighteen to twenty for him at auction, which I think what he would go for, like fine, I'll let someone do that. If but but Salas, I'm with you for in that point, it's less the roster spots; it comes down to the cost. Right, I just don't want sixteen dollars yeah. tied up. 
And, and the reality is I would end up starting Contreras over Ohapi and probably over Naylor and fine. Like it'd be good yeah. to have, but I just don't need to spend $16 on that. Salas at two bucks. I, yeah, I'd rather have him. Look around the rest of my infield. Um, got, we're going to have a, a, a Naylor family infield because I have a $4 Josh Naylor and I don't care that he's losing outfield eligibility and will be first base only when he's four bucks. Um, he had, you know, he missed a bunch of time this year. He's been on a nearly 30 home run pace with a 341 OBP or sorry, a three, sorry, not quite. Yeah, no, that's about right. About a nearly 30 home run pace, a little less with a 354 OBP and a 497 slugging. Um, he has, since they traded Ahmed Rosario and stopped locking him into the second spot of the lineup, Naylor's moved up from second to third or from fourth to third with Jose Ramirez moving up from third to second, assuming he's locked into that spot. It's only going to help him with runs and plate appearances and stuff like that. So very happy with Naylor. Andre Semenez at $6. I'm going to have to look a little bit because he's been really great lately and he was so good last year and I probably will hold on to him. He will be second base only next year, which hurts a little bit, but fine. Zach Geloff, uh, he's $1. I'm going to keep him. I I picked him up for a dollar, not because I was like, this guy's the future. I was just like, he looks good. I'll pick him up. And now I'm like, oh, keep all right. <laughs> he just yeah. keeps hitting. He will also be second base only next year. So we're getting into a, a, a conversation sort of like my catchers here. Uh, Spencer Steer, I was super excited because he did enough to keep Middle infield eligibility, that's great. He's been awesome. 22 home runs, 359 on base, 459 slugging. He is going to have, he's going to lose shortstop eligibility. So we are now on to three guys who only have second base eligibility uh, in, at middle infield. Steer also will have first, third, and outfield. So I have some flexibility to move him around. He is an easy keep for me. Uh, Nolan Arenado at $19. I'd keep. I'm probably keeping because he's Nolan Arenado, but he's he really hasn't been himself this year. Um, it was a really, really, really slow start for Arenado. That's true. That is for sure true. Uh, Nolan Shanuel at first base. Uh, we've talked about him a little bit in the past. Like I just don't know where the power comes from, but the on-base yeah. percentage is so good. Uh, but yeah, I think he's probably gone just because I just don't see the power showing up. Christian Encarnacion Strand is probably my starting third. Oh no, he's not. He's first base only next year. So now we get into a debate. I've got Naylor. I've got Encarnacion Strand. Uh, I will have room obviously for a utility player. So, you know, one I'm of keeping those both. slot in there, but I'm keeping both of those guys. He, again, it's, it's one of those like they will be $10 combined. That's, right. that's fine. Um, is O'Hearn keeping outfield eligibility? Yes. We'll talk about him later. After that, I, it's, it's almost all well it's it's no it's not almost all prospects i still get some other guys here so willie adamas at 21 dollars, as good as the second half has been i think he's probably gone with mm -hmm. the caveat that i don't have a lot of options at shortstop because all of my guys are losing shortstop eligibility jonathan india at 13 dollars. I'm, I'm probably gonna move on from because if he's not in great american ballpark and it sounds like he won't be i'm just not that interested in him and then I've got Royce Lewis, who is going to be third base only. He's an obvious keep at $5. He's $3. Now he'll be $5. Now you get into my mess, which is I have a bunch of second basemen. And I, other than Adamas, who I'm probably going to cut, my shortstop eligible players next year will be Jordan Lawler, 
who I'm going to keep at $3, but we'll have to see what he does because he hasn't really been good in his debut. And uh, Adel Amador, who's still only in double A, I'm going to keep him at three bucks next year because I'm, I'm high on him, but he's not going to help me next season. I don't think maybe Brooks Lee, who should be ready at some point next year. But again, we haven't seen him in the majors yet. Um, so I've, I've got a, and I'm going to get Lee. I have at $3. I'm probably keeping him at five. I've got a bunch of guys I like there, but I'm going to, I'm going to need to go out and buy a shortstop like that or trade for a shortstop. I need a starting shortstop. Um, and so you're, you're not sold yeah. that you can roll into next year with Jordan Lawler as your starting shortstop. Cause if I was in your yeah. situation, I, I, I totally feel fine with that. Uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't go and get a backup, but I don't think I'd buy a starter. I think I'd buy someone I can plug in just in case Lawler's a disaster. Oh, I think I want a starter. I, I, I so here, here's my thing, and this is this is something that I, I learned a couple years ago, and I, we, I think I probably talked about the show. I certainly wrote it up at, at some point, but I have found in the past that my worst seasons come when I look at guys I think will be great and assume they'll be great, and that. Where I am, where I do my best is the years where I'm like, I think Jordan Lawler could be a star. I think Brooks Lee could be a star. I've got really good options at shortstop. I think if Amador gets the call next year, he could be excellent for me. None of those guys are proven, right? Lawler would not be the best prospect to have busted if he busts, right? I don't think that's going to happen, but it certainly could. And so from that perspective, like, no, I don't want to go in relying on those guys. What I would like to do, and I can't really do it in this league. I probably can't do it in any leagues because I'm saying this right now. What I would like to do is have everybody else in the league convinced that I'm convinced that I can go into the league, the season with Lawler as my starter. <laughs> right? That's what I really want is for people to think Chad doesn't need a shortstop. So when I start asking about shortstops and trying to make trades, that I'm coming from a position of strength. Um, but no, I won't feel good. It doesn't mean he won't be my opening day starter, but if I go into next season, let's look at my middle infield overall. My middle infield overall is Jimenez, Geloff, Steer, Lawler, and is that it? Are those my are those my only four? Jimenez, Geloff, Steer, Lawler. I think those are my only four major league. Like Brooks Lee might be up, Amador might be up, but like those are my four major league guys. Those four guys are not a middle infield I am comfortable with. I need to go out and get one and maybe even two. I probably need a legit full-time starter and a guy I'm comfortable with as a starter. And then we'll see who's in my lineup on opening day. And Lawler might be in the lineup on opening day, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be reliant on those four. Um, If you told me that a year from now, I was like, yeah, I have those guys locked up for like $25 total and they are my future at middle infield for all eternity. I'd be thrilled and I believe that that is possible. Um, but I don't want to, I, I'm not counting on that. Yeah, I hear that. I was looking at more just like, it's almost like that fantasy football argument, right? Like no matter how you do, you're going to have a hole somewhere. And if my hole is shortstop in my head, but it is plugged with Jordan Lawler, I can live with that. Yeah. Um, and I, I totally understand needing a backup. I just, I, I'm not going to spend big money on a shortstop. If my, my current starter is Jordan Lawler. Yeah. And I am probably, Oh, 
we missed one other one other infielder. We'll have to come back in a minute. I am probably going to have to also spend in the outfield, and we'll talk about my outfield in a moment. But quick backtrack to my infield because there are there's one other guy. Well, two other guys, actually, I should have mentioned. Uh, I have Kobe Mayo in the minors for one buck. I don't know why he isn't up yet. He should be up soon. I am hoping he's up by the start of next season. Very excited about him. He doesn't change my plans for anyone else because I'm not like, you know, third base is going to be Royce Lewis and Nolan Arenado next year. Those are my two guys there. But like, that doesn't stop me from keeping Mayo at two bucks. Um, I have a $13 Reese Hoskins, who I've obviously had stashed the entire season. And I'm not entirely sure what to do with him because if I have Christian Encarnacion Strand and Naylor for $10 total at first base, I really like Hoskins. I'm not sure he's enough better than those guys that I need to keep all three of them. Uh, I don't know. I think I, I'm, I'm going to be really tempted to keep Reese Hoskins at 15 bucks. Um, I, it, it's, it's almost like the Contreras situation for me, right? I, I want a $15 Reese Hoskins. I am happy to keep a $15 Reese Hoskins. I'm just not sure that I want to have $15 Hoskins and CES at $2 and Naylor at $4 and Arenado at $21 and Royce Lewis at three, at five. Because I can that's that's five guys that I can play three of. And if I'm going to move on from some of those guys, maybe I could shop. Maybe I decide to trade Naylor or Encarnacion Strand, but I, I think I need to do something about. I don't know. I, I'm a little torn on 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 Hoskins, and, and I think like part of it is like it's it's almost like Arenado and Hoskins. Like they're the two expensive ones, and if I'm going to keep one of those two, Arenado is both a third baseman, which I have more need for, and the more established player. Although he's also the older player, and he's got back issues, and. I don't know. So I've got some decisions to make at Hoskins, I think. I think, it's I think I, I'm looking at that situation differently because I just never get that excited about catchers. So like Wilson Contreras for $16, like I, I get that he could yeah. be worth that. I totally appreciate that. He's worth that this season, to be fair. I would never spend that. But to have a bunch of position players other than catcher who are at bar, like every player you named is at a good price. Like yeah. I'm, I, I think a situation like that is just going to figure itself out. I had the same issue. I had Freeman, Cassis, who I was really high on, and Pasquatino, who I was really high on, and I kept all three. And of course, that situation figured itself out. I, I think right. that would definitely, especially when you involve more names, it's just more likely to figure itself out. Yeah, I also think for for what it's worth, I I just talked about it middle infield that I don't like to just assume production from guys who haven't shown it yet and while i am comfortable assuming some amount of production from arenado and i am comfortable assuming production from josh naylor because he's he has been doing it for a couple years now it is if i'm applying the same logic to to my corner infield spots royce lewis has been injured constantly and canacion strand is really picking it up lately but like his his overall line for this year in 214 plate appearances of 10 home runs, 332 on base, and 465 slugging is not actually that good for a first baseman in this league. He's he's more projection than he is production at this point. So I guess from that perspective, and certainly Mayo falls in that camp too. So if I'm applying that same logic, you're right. I should probably hold Hoskins and Arenado and just let let the chips fall where they may. And you've got time to see how, how he's looking. Like, yeah. we, we do have time here. Yes. Uh, so let's look at my outfield. And this is uh, this. My outfield is like, like I need to go pick up a stud outfielder to anchor this group 
You but did. I'm very excited. About you added future. Evan Carter. So that like <laughs> box checked. We're done Fair here. Like, the stud that is that there. actually is where I was getting at. This is this is the future of my outfield here. Is I have an eight dollar Riley Green who I really like. I have a seven dollar Lars Newbar who's been terrific, especially in on base leagues. I wish the power would would show up more, but at nine bucks, like this isn't a Nolan Chanuel situation where he's like great on base and no power. He's right. just great on base and not as much power as I would like. So fine. Carrie Carpenter is like, I, I feel like people have missed that Carrie Carpenter has become sort of a star outfielder. Like, yeah. He's going to end up, he he is so far, we've got a week left the season, 433 plate appearances because he's not very good against lefties. Fine. Got to platoon him. In roughly two thirds of a season, 20 home runs, 346 on base, 492 slugging. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy with him at $4 next year. I do have that $1 Evan Carter. Uh, you know, by this time next year, you're right. I could be very happy with like, he is the $50 outfielder I have anchoring my outfield. He's just only costing me three, although he's going to hit, get hit in arm. So we'll see what he costs. But then I've got uh, a $1 Ryan O'Hearn, who I keep thinking he's an obvious cut, but he's been so good this year that I think I probably just keep rolling with him for three bucks next year. And now you get into my, my minor leagues and I'm, I'm like, Oh, I got a couple other guys. Sorry. Uh, the other outfielder I have in the majors is Ian Happ. Ian Happ has been... Uh, what I said about Lars Nupar is all true about Ian Happ this year. The on-base percentage is good. The power's been decent. And he's scoring a ton of runs. He is $15 and will be 17 whereas Nupar is 7 and will be 9 And so I'm a little bit... I'm a little bit more reluctant to keep Hap, although I think the price is good on him. So he's another guy, maybe maybe he's more like a Contreras situation where I'll probably end up shopping him a bit. Um, but if I shop him, this is the thing, I want to shop Contreras because I don't want another catcher like that. I want to shop Hap in part because I want to make sure I have room for my kids and can go out and buy a stud outfielder to anchor that group. And and, right. and Hap just sort of falls in between. Because in addition to the young outfielders I already talked about, I have a $5 Wyatt Lankford, who uh, he's he, a keep. he could be up this week, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the Rangers are saying they could call him up. And he is making an absolute mockery of minor league baseball. I mean, like... He he started off in the complex league. He got 14 plate appearances and he dominated. Fine. That was expected. Goes to high A, gets 106 plate appearances, a 453 OBP, 644 slugging. Then he goes to double A. And they're like, all right, you know, he is 21 years old. So college kid, we'll, we'll move him up to double A. He gets 54 plate appearances in double A. In 54 plate appearances, he hits four home runs, right? So that is a like... uh a 40 home run pace, something like that, right? More than that, actually, over a full season with a 519 on base and a 762 slugging. So they're like, all right, we'll give you a shot at AAA. Now, it's only been 26 plate appearances at AAA. He hasn't hit a home run yet. He has a 538 OBP in AAA right now. The guy just, he's just, he looks like an absolute star. I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it. I have him in three different leagues at five, five and $7. I'm just ecstatic. The Rangers have hinted that he could be up this year, maybe for the playoffs, assuming they get there. And 
Uh, yeah. I mean, he's, he, I think he's going to be one of my starting outfielders in opening day next year. That's what I think. Him and Evan Carter. I'm going to become a Rangers fan. <laughs> uh, and then I've chased the water. Uh, I, I would, I would just add, like when you think the last few years about, because if you're like, man, five, $7, $5, whatever it ends up being for a player who has not reached the major leagues yet. And it'll be, be what? $5, right? He's not going to get. Well, he'll, he'll go up to six if he doesn't get promoted. Right. If he okay. gets promoted in the next few days, he could go up to seven. Uh, the, the reality is with, with Langford, and we've talked about this with a handful of my other guys, Langford's going to get hit in arbitration. Sure. Whether or not he gets called up, he's going to get hit in arbitration. And so I don't know what he's going to cost. I'm literally not sure I care. Yeah, I, well, I was just going to say, because it, let's say he does get called up, so there's $2 and he gets $3 in arbitration. Now all of a sudden he's $10. Think about the draft cost the last few years of Anthony Volpe, of Jordan Walker, Jordan Walker, Julio Rodriguez. Like it's mm-hmm. just been, it doesn't matter if they reach the major leagues or not. These guys who are tearing it up at the AAA level or even at AA and it looks like they're going to get promoted, they still go for wicked expensive. So it's still a bargain. Yeah. Yep. So that's the thing. I, I think he's in there. Then I get, I have Chase DeWater and Drew Gilbert at $3 and $2. I really like both those prospects. I think what I do with them will depend a little bit on what those teams do this off season and what I, where I think the opportunity lies for them. Cause I think if, if it looks like Gilbert has a path to being a, a Mets outfielder by sometime early ish next year, and both, by the way, DeLauder and Gilbert are both in double a, they've, they've got a, like, they may have another step to take, but like the guardians in particular have started to show more and more that they view triple a as a holding pen for guys who are ready rather than a level you need to conquer. And DeLauder's looked good in, in limited plate appearances at double A. I think he probably starts next year at double A as well. But I think DeLauder is going to be up for Cleveland at some point next year. And Gilbert is crushing double A with the Mets. And I think he'll be up for the Mets at some point next year. And so at, you know, $3 for, for Gilbert next year, $4 for DeLauder. I, I think I'm probably going to keep them. Um, I have to start piecing together what my depth chart looks like for next year and make sure I have room for the guys I need to add. Uh, the challenge I'm running into is I have a lot of guys I like. I have a lot of guys I want to keep, but my rotation is going to need work. I'm going to need to build out a full bullpen and I need a couple of sort of anchor bats like we talked about. And so my my decision on a guy like DeLauder or Gilbert may come down to not do I think they're worth their price? Because I do. It may come down to, do I have the roster spots I need to do the things I need to do in the auction or not? Um, But yeah, that's, I'm going to have to probably trade some prospects in general. I probably can't go into the season with Ethan Salas, man. That's a layup. He, yeah. But Salas, Amador, Lee, Lankford, DeLauder, Gilbert. It's just, it's too many of those guys. I think there's a lot of names there that you wouldn't be able to get anything for. Like, I don't know who's going to trade could for be. a $3 DeLauder. That could be if true. If he pans out, like, great. But I, I don't know who yeah. would trade for that. Ethan Salas I, I think is so much hype, see... and for $2, yeah. I think you could get something there. Salas, I think that's true. I think the thing with DeLauder and Gilbert, for that matter, it's like Chase DeLauder um, has had injury issues, and it's kept down his prospect rankings. Eric Cross, and that I, I've, I've cited Eric Cross's uh, September top, 500 or whatever it is multiple times recently. I'm going to cite it again. He has DeLauder boy in his top 40, I think. Yeah, he has, he has Gilbert 35th and DeLauder 37th. 
I think that by the time we get to like the height height of auto new trade season in January leading up to the trade deadline, I think DeLauder is going to be a consensus top 30 prospect. And I think the hype will show up as a result. So we'll see. I I also like I'm a big DeLauder fan. I'm higher than him than most. And so I'm probably more inclined to keep him than Gilbert, even though I think Gilbert will probably be ranked higher and will be a dollar cheaper. Um, so we'll see. But I, I, I'll i be shopping prospects in this league for sure this offseason, and we'll, we'll see how things shake out. So I think we are at time. Pete, I know you are headed to Fenway, right? Uh, yeah. I, this is this is like the funny thing. We, we're, we're scheduling this this podcast, and we're like, oh, we got we you know we, we got to figure out when we can fit it in. And Pete's like, I could do Sunday morning, but I got to be done in time to go to the Red Sox game. And he says it with this like disgust in his voice. And I'm like, <laughs> you're a Red Sox fan who like loves baseball, and you're just the, yeah, the so, live I mean, game experience is just not your jam, huh? I, I guess the quick take is the tickets were a gift, and I'm very appreciative, and I'm excited to go. Like. Absolutely. I'm going with a buddy of mine. He just bought a new house. I'm going to see the house after. Like, it should be a nice day. But That's they're awesome. just, they're such a depressing team. It's raining out. Um, Fenway is incredibly uncomfortable. Like, look, everybody can hype up Fenway really nice. It's my home team's ballpark. Love it. That's great. But like, it is so uncomfortable in there. And I'm just <laughs> like, I'm six I'm one. That's not like a giant person, but it's, it's big enough that it's not comfortable to sit at Fenway. And uh, especially when it's raining especially when it's against the White Sox. So like, <laughs> there's just not a lot happening here. Um, but yeah. uh, it should be should be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. You get to you get to scout your boy Cutter Crawford. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't like give up <laughs> nine earned runs in front of me. I, I had a very negative experience at Fenway one time standing room only. I don't know if I told you this standing room only at Fenway Park in September, my freshman year of college. It had to have been, uh, I don't know, 40 degrees. And oh. we had stand standing room only on the green monster. So it's super windy up there. Yeah. I, I was a college kid. So of course I didn't bring appropriate clothing. I had to go buy a sweatshirt. The sweatshirt was $75, which for the year 2010, that's pretty expensive. Um, yeah. And Dice Gay, I think, I think he honestly gave up either nine or 10 earned runs in the first inning. And, uh, that Ooh. was it. I decided, you know what? I think I'm going to leave this game. So uh, now, you know, the live game experience can go either way. Fair enough. I have, I, it's funny because like I have memories of games I've been to against the Red Sox back in, in Cleveland that are, uh, I was at the game in, God, what year was it? 90, 99 maybe. I can't remember. Pedro came in in relief in a playoff game and threw six like perfect relief innings. Sounds like I was it. at that game and it was like that whole game. It was like, we've got this. We're going to come back. Oh, they're bringing out Pedro on like short rest. And he was just, oh God, it was, it was nope. maybe the most impressive pitching performance I've ever seen. Like, it was just like, like at some point when they brought him out, it was like, okay, maybe we're going to get like a 90% of Pedro experience here. And that'll be just enough that we can scratch out a run or two. Sure. And instead, like within an inning or two, you were like, no, this is like 110% of what Pedro is capable of. This is insane. They don't build like, him like that games. anymore. <laughs> no, that guy, man, he was fun to watch. Uh, even again in that game, that was, I think it was a game five too of a division series. Like this was like a decisive game I have to go back and double check all this. Um, and I watched him just 
decimate my team. And I still walked out being like, well, that was really cool. <laughs> like it was just incredible to see. Uh, yeah. There are not a lot of pitchers who I'd be like, you just destroyed my team, but thank you for the privilege of <laughs> watching it. Uh, Pedro, Pedro is unique. So absolutely. All right. Well, we'll let you get ready for your miserable day. If I'm not, I'm just kidding for your, for your, what sounds like it'll be a good day. Uh, hopefully Crawford pitches well for you. You get a, get, make it, makes your decision easier, right? Go out there, totally. throw, throw a, a shutout with 11 K's and be like, yep, Pete, you got to hold on to me. If that does happen, I'll lose a fantasy championship. So this is really a no win situation, but uh, we can end <laughs> with that. <laughs> And of course, by the time anybody listens to this in a few days, they're going to be like, you thought Cutter was going to do that? Because they'll know (laughs) what he's already done. So yeah, thank you all for listening. And we will be back with you next week.